everyone. Welcome back to Lash Boss Radio. This is Shelby, your host. And today I'm bringing on Sujin Yang from Illumino Lashes. She is the inventor of the Jalice device and method. And we talk about that in this episode. She's also going to be presenting at the Lash Boss Conference. You can save 25% using code Illumino at checkout. Before we hop into this episode, I just want to thank the Cosmo Glow Light for sponsoring this episode. This light was made for lash artists. It is in the shape of a semicircle, so it'll cast light exactly where you need it. There's no need to put two lights on either side of your client to get that perfect shot or the perfect lighting. It also has a flat base that slides right underneath your lash bed, so there's no risk of it falling over or tripping over it. I'll link it in the show notes. You can also find them on Instagram at the Cosmo Glow Light. In the meantime, let's get into this episode. And without further ado, here is Sujin. All right, Sujin, welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> I'm very excited to have you here because I don't know, I'm just really honored that you're doing an episode with me. So thank you. That's crazy because I'm honored to be here. So thank you. We're both honored. Yay. Good. Okay. So I want to just start with like your background and just what made you decide to enter this industry in the first place. Okay. Well, as you can kind of tell, I'm a hybrid. Um, I'm actually a manicurist Mm -hmm. and a licensed esthetician. So how I got into the lash industry is like, have you like ever experienced or tried something for the very first time and you loved it so much that you wanted that feeling to never go away? Mm-hmm. I mean, like they look so good and it felt really nice. So back then I was thinking to myself, how do I keep getting this? And it wasn't actually for me wearing the lash extensions. It mm-hmm. was the act of attaching those lash extensions on my friend. Mm. Yeah. So. um who would have known? But back then, learning something very new would become beyond my full-time job. Yeah. Now I'm all consumed by lash extensions. Yeah. Um, it happened 13 years ago. I was attending beauty college at night and wow. working full-time in the day. And I didn't think, oh, yeah, one day I'm going to be inventing shit and running an international lash business. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, just this woman, she like drove from Montana and out to California and in the back of her trunk, there was 0.25s and 0.20 single lashes. (laughs) And she taught us in one day how to dip in the glue and stick them on. And obviously that wasn't my last training Mm -hmm. that I ever took, but damn, it ignited my passion for lash extensions. I was like, I get excited just thinking about it. Yeah. Um, So you did it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I just couldn't get enough. I was putting on lashes on my cousin in the middle of the kitchen for five hours just to oh get into practice. And I just started to get really deep in trying to learn how to do them better. So 13 years ago, so right when the industry kind of came here is like you were one of the first, it sounds like. I I also got to work with those pots of lashes too. I feel like I don't know. I kind of feel like we're kind of the lucky ones that we got to experience the industry that early. But also you could look at it it the other way, like the people entering now, all of the education out there, like they're pretty lucky too. But um, I'm glad to have like gotten to experience that. So let's see. You, so you entered into the industry, it sounds like 2009? 
actually 2007 2007 okay I can't yeah do well I was an I was in esthetician school the year of 2006 to 2007 so sometime in that time I got my first certificate and you're right about the pots like I love like flipping them over like little Jiminy crickets and like turning them and <laughs> positioning them to pick them up like that was yeah. a difficult thing but it was like once you got that then you could get your angles of how to put the lash on so yeah it's a really great way of learning yes um, and we only had like I feel like J curl back then and it was just like now you see all the different curls and different diameters it's so much different than it was yeah we are, we are, I was only working with J curls back then yeah so def definitely like these didn't even exist in my lifetime back then so I guess I, my math was kind of off but it is I guess it was 14 years but it doesn't matter but what happened was like I started to get really into lashes like hardcore I just want to kind of give you an idea of this because this is how things can happen for other lash techs if you're out there trying to think of what can I do next in my career for just beyond selling lashes um, to my clients doing lash extensions it's you can actually experience travel um, you can be, become a trainer um, that's mm -hmm. obviously how it kind of steered my obsession with lash extensions I started to train um, for a company and became one of their um, head trainers I don't know what you call it but it really helped me um, learn more about lash extensions I mean sharing that knowledge helped me grow this became something just beyond me but it was something that I now know that this has been a full-time career for many people that I've taught in the past and yeah. back then that there was no business model for lash lounges or lash salons and now that exists so that's pretty cool yeah really so you took that route like did you ever have employees like that lashed with you or were you just a solo artist and then went full-on training oh okay so I, I didn't explain so what it, what it is is I used to own a spa and we did um waxing nails lashes and so yes I did oh. have uh staff and we were like raking in the dough in Oakland like just doing services wow. and that's how it all kind of began was when you own a salon and you hire employees you train them so then that's how yes. you get better at training because you know what your expectations yes. are and what your clients want and that's kind of how it all began yeah wow so i i'm a salon owner and i have two locations it's it's Ooh. so hard it's so much work and yeah i think i feel like i'm getting ahead of myself but i want to ask like what you because you've done ownership like salon ownership and training and um also like product development and, and selling products. And I know we're going to get into that, but what do you feel like are some misconceptions about some of those roles? Okay. Well, it's kind of crazy because I kind of, I started as a solo one person in a 420 square foot shop in Oakland. And it became beyond just me being able to maintain my clientele. So mm -hmm. I had to hire one person and that person was part-time because that's what I could afford and then it grew to full-time and then it grew to another full-timer and then you know it just it, yeah. it exponentially you have to um have people helping you because you can't run it all by yourself there's only mm -hmm. so much time in your day and that's one of the most difficult things is actually the people that you're bringing in to your salon or your spa or in spending the time and in, in training them and helping them that's really hard because you know overall they're not going to stay forever everyone's right. going to grow and move forward in their life so for me because i became so attached to my uh friends my family my staff those people 
I consider and they have when they leave that I think one of the most difficult things that I've had yeah. to learn yeah and I'm happy for it but it was like oh it, it still hurts you know when yeah. people leave but um that I think finding good people that's a really hard one <laughs> yes it is and it does hurt and sometimes I've, I've noticed with people they may I, I don't know if it's just this industry but a lot of times some people not all feel like they have to like like really burn that bridge in order to like feel okay to leave or like it's not every time but I have had some that like have really surprised me like by just being almost ugly after they leave like block you or like delete you and it's just like Mm -hmm. wait why Mm -hmm. yeah I uh, I can't I I, we would probably have another whole show about my experience (laughs) because I would have to take like shots while I'm talking to you, but yeah, <laughs> I I don't want to go down that route, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I've been there and it's, it's a lot. It was, yeah, there's a lot of tears definitely. Yes. And it yes. feels good when, you know, you cry it out and you go, when you, when you grow past that period in, in time, you actually can look back at those people and kind of, I don't know, for me, I think appreciate that yeah. it happened because now, you know, looking, moving forward, what you can look for, for people that won't do yes. that to you. Yes, absolutely. You you grow from that. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So you guys at Illumino are super well known for the jealous. Is it what you call it adhesive? Um, So there's actually two components to the Jalice method. It's the Jalice is the device. And then there's the link gel. Yeah, I know it's weird. Okay. Gel is gel. And then lease is actually the word uh, for uh, like light or flower in many mm. languages. So I use that as the um, terminology for the jellies. And so, so the cool. jellies is the device where okay. you turn it on and then it cures the link gel, which is a curable lash, lash glue. Oh my gosh. Okay. So yeah, I've seen you do this at IBS and it's unreal. Um, how, how did you think of this and like, yeah, just walk us through that process of inventing that. (laughs) What, so Shelby, what you saw last year is not what we have today. So I'm like kind of laughing of embarrassment, but it's, it's it's a good thing that we shared that. And now it's just like manifested to a whole different device and it works so much more badass. So I'm glad oh you got gosh. to see that version. So that's like in our, I guess, Jelly's uh, wall of fame or wall of shame, all the little <laughs> prototypes that I've created and looking back. Wow. But um, So actually, if you know, you know, lashes, you know, you have your clients. Okay. So yeah. you're like, have you ever had that one client that whatever you did and tried yeah. on her to make those lashes stay on? all those different products and techniques, they just never seem to work. Yeah. I mean, there was this one client, she was kind of a pain in the ass, but she was Mm -hmm. super loyal. Mm -hmm. She knew what she wanted in life and she wasn't going to stop wearing tons of makeup and use makeup Mm -hmm. remover. And on top of that, she had like the oiliest eyelids that I've ever Mm -hmm. seen. Like they were like so shiny or like disco balls. Cause they're like, she had like protruding eyes. And I was like, Oh my God, the problem was that she would come in and, there were never the same amount of lashes like all my other clients had left on. And it made me feel like a shitty lash artist. Like she definitely <laughs> made my job difficult. Mm-hmm. So like I realized at one point I've done everything I could to make them last. And that night before I had her coming back in for a lash fill. Oh, let me preface this. I was not sober. Okay. I was like, 
I'm, I'm having difficulty with my job. I hate the people that I'm working with. You know, it's just that point mm-hmm. in your life. It was really stressful and I'm falling asleep and I'm dreading the thought of giving her that extra free 15 minute fill time because mm-hmm. it's like, that was me back then. I didn't have the courage to fire my clients. You know, I didn't even have yeah. the courage to like talk back to my employees. I was still like just running, the, you know, just trying to stay afloat. Right. And I just thought like of this crazy idea, like what if, what if I could use something like nail gel? Like if you think about the nail gel miracle for us manicurists, back then it was about acrylics. And when nail gels came on the market, it looked like nail polish, but it wore like acrylic. It was durable. You could put on gel like the oils, you could put oil gel oils on top of your nails. You could put lotion on top of your nails. You could do your dishes without mm-hmm. wearing gloves and they mm-hmm. wouldn't chip. So yeah. I was like, man, like glue, lash glue, it's kind of like, it's brittle, just like nail polish. I wonder if we could apply the nail gel theory to lashes and lashes is keratin and hair is keratin. So wouldn't it work? And that's just kind of how it came. And that was like back in 2012. Wow. Okay. So you, 2012. And then what was the first like prototype? So what happened was, you know, when you walk around with this preposterous idea and you think it's fucking impossible, like (laughs) I can't, I don't have any money. I don't know how to do this. I've never invented anything in my life. So you just walk around with it in your head, but it doesn't go away. It's like, you want to try it. Mm -hmm. So like the first thing I did after probably some time was I tested the theory actually attached color eyelashes to my ends of my hair and I wore it with you know some nail gel product and it stuff like the 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 stuff just didn't come off for like three months I mean obviously your hair is going to shed so I lost some but the ones that I had put on they were still remaining and I was like oh my god I think I'm onto something and so that's kind of like how it snowballed to like 2013 that's when I reached out to the shellac guy. Do you guys, do you remember shellac, the nail product? Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar. I don't know the nail industry super well, but yes, I know yeah. I have heard. Yes. Yeah, so that product. So like shellac came out and let me explain. I used to go to um, this nail pro Sacramento trade show. It's a nail only trade show. I loved it. It was like mm-hmm. my thing. Cause I was obsessed with nails mm-hmm. and there were like, actually at one point there was a fist fight at the trade show in line because bitches were like fighting over shellac because it was like so hard to get like certain colors. Yeah. And people were like cutting in line. It was ghetto. But like, I remember like back in the day, shellac was the shit. And like, I reached out to Doug Shun, who at the time was working as a chemist for CND, Creative Nail Design. Okay. And that was back then, but then he became a um, independent consultant. And that's when I reached out to him and fast forward to today. So he was like, well, I've never even heard about lash extensions till you reached out to me. I actually had ended up sitting down and like talking to him face to face at a trade show. Mm-hmm. Um, we made an appointment and he was like, it seems quite interesting. And I'm intrigued at this idea, but I don't know if it's feasible. And I was like, well, I already tested on my hair and it worked. He goes, Oh, and he goes, well, I'm going to tell you something that is impossible. And that's going to be why I don't think it's going to work. And I was like, okay. Cause I'm like, not a, I don't take no answers, you know, like, okay, go yeah. ahead and tell me, tell me no, but let me try to make it a yes or maybe. And he was like, it's, it basically is impossible to make a light that's safe enough for use around the eyes. I can create a a product that you can use for lashes, but you're not going to be able to create a device or have someone make this. And that was like why it took so long to even come out with this product, the jellies, because 
of the safety efficacy of the product. It's just been so difficult trying to get something that it's not going to cause cancer or like right. make someone go blind or lose um, REM sleep because it's blue light and all of the things that people talk shit about because they don't know anything about mm-hmm. UV or LED and the wavelength and power and output and all those things. So now here we are 2020 with the COVID and we have a product. <laughs> wow. Uh, it took forever. Yeah. Wow. So basically eight years from whenever you first thought of it, you feel like you're finally happy with your invention. Huh. Um, Are you like, still like, it's like an artist, I guess. Like when you make something, you don't ever feel like confident or feel like really? it's finished. It's a piece of art. Like right now I'm still like super like driven and determined to make it smaller. So Right now, what everyone has is what we call the 1.0. It's the beta version. And everyone actually who has taken our class, they're they're like the test mouse, the people who are testing it, letting me know what's up. And then Mm -hmm. we're actually launching a 2.0 and it's half of the size and half of the weight and it's much faster and more powerful. And that's coming out in October, November. So is, is, for for the people who haven't seen this like on Instagram and and stuff is is the what I saw at IBS it was attached to I think was it the isolation isolation tweezer or what yeah. does it look like now okay it is the same um thing I didn't deviate from the isolation tweezer because I've tried it all like I've tried to put it on a lamp and hit your foot foot pedal on oh, and right. off like oh. I've, we've, we've worked a lot of different ways and I like the trigger. I like having it on your finger because it's actually close to where mm-hmm. you're working and you're already using your hand. So it's attached to any isolation separation tweezer of your choice. And um, there's like a little gooseneck and it comes up and comes down and shoots directly in, in a way from you. So it goes in through the eyelash. So it's like a little pinpoint LED light that will cure the length gel. And the cool thing is everyone who's been using the 1.0, they're excited because we promised them that we would actually swap, exchange out the 1.0 mm. for 2.0. It's like an iPhone that you get an upgrade for free. So, cool. <laughs> so yeah, that's where we're at right now. So we're just trying to um, consider the other thing is like we changed the battery. So that's going to be an issue because it's really hard to source this battery for my students. So I'm just trying to find a way to ship out batteries to them safely because looking at my it's a battery operated that's the other thing I hate stuff that plugs in I don't like all these cords everywhere you know it's just too much so it's a rechargeable lithium-ion batteries and you can just swap out your battery and boom you you don't have to wait for it to you know charge up before you use it so as a salon owner I feel like this method um is so intriguing to me because you know how you have like a new artist and you have all of your like seasoned artists and they can take clients, no problem. They can swap clients. Like the client doesn't notice any difference, but then the newer artist that maybe has only had like a year or less of, um, experience, she's the one that has like the retention problems or something sometimes. And this, this, um, method or, would you call it a method? Yeah. What you have going on is like kind of intriguing to me because I'm like, okay, could this solve all of our retention issues with the girls that come in that we end up having issues with for like, you know, the first three months that they're there. And 
So is it hard for people to, to like learn this technique? Like how long would you say people take to be like, Oh my gosh, I love this. Or, or like, what has their experience been like? Okay. Well, I think starting out, um, we kind of forget like the basics. And I think even when we get really expert or master level, we start getting kind of like getting um, steps, right? Mm -hmm. Like just to make like have more time. And one of the things is we cannot skip is cleansing the lashes. Mm -hmm. So like even in my lash jellies training, that's one of the things that I feel like why we have to have training to go along with the product. It's really about the safety and efficacy and the retention. That's what we cover. And then also the sensitive eyes that those issues and why people can perhaps use this product who have been maybe sensitized to regular lash glue. Mm -hmm. So it's like, think, think about like how you're, you're asking, like, how hard is it to use this product or learn with it when you have been doing lash extensions? Yeah. It's like, there's that person and we all know that person, that one person who's really artistic and he and she can, they can look at something and they just get the pencil and pen and boom, they draw it out and look just like the thing. And I'm not, art, I'm not artistic. Okay. Like I don't, I can't even draw my dog. If you ask me to, he probably looks <laughs> like a bunny because he has big ears, but like, there's that one special group of people who can pick up tweezers for the first time and they automatically have yeah. their dexterity. They have the, they can isolate with their non-dominant hand, like it's second nature. Like they have that perception like of an eagle and Hawkeyes and they like place that tiny lash on that little, tiny little extension right there without even holding a breath. And it's like, <laughs> that wasn't, that wasn't me when I was starting out. It was hella hard in the beginning and it mm -hmm. took a lot of patience and practice. So I think the question is, it's like, it depends on the skill or the aptitude or the experience or like even just the person. So like some people who've been doing lashes forever and they take the class, it, they have a really hard time struggling using the index finger to tap the sensor. There's a touch sensor. You can turn it on or turn it off or you just leave your finger down and it automatically times out. So it, the light turns on and turns off automatically for you. So you don't even have to worry about it. So that kind of is like, oh, like that's a hard one for people to grasp and then the other thing is link gel is clear because we try to take out a lot of the extra bullshit like mm. there's like less um okay so like one of the things about sensitivity is it's not really cyanacrylate based it's usually hydroquinone and that's a whole nother topic but we don't have those hydroquinones in our product and so some people who have had reactions to previous lash glues may not have a reaction to ours because they're not allergic to this certain type of hydroquinone because we don't have hydroquinone in our product make sense mm -hmm. yes so like that's the thing too it's like how much glue are you picking up because it's clear it's not a black glue so like if you if you're not used to using clear ass glue sometimes it's hard because you're picking up more and you're putting it on more so you have to mm -hmm. light it up longer because you're you have to cure it longer because it's thicker so there's these little nuances with learning how to use a jelly and the link gel but I think if you know the basics of like separation isolation placement direction you know trajectory distance it's really easy it's just learning how to manage using the device so yeah I was gonna say like because I'm I'm a trainer also and and you have people that they come to take a volume class but you realize like wow like you have a ton of stickies in your work and like you need to go back to the basics like you, mm. you you should probably take a classic class first like just to like you know revisit and polish that first and um anyway my my point is 
like, did it ever scare you real, like realizing like this could be in the hands of somebody that could totally use it wrong. And because like, what is the process of getting like for a grown out lash, for example, how, do, how does that work? Like how well is it, you know, stuck on there? Okay. So those two questions, I love it because it's so true. Like I, I think for me as a licensed professional, I want to keep it in the skilled hands of us licensed professionals. Like I don't want it to be on fucking Amazon or eBay and just like, oh, I don't yeah. care how to make money. I just want to make money. That's not me. That's not what I want to do with this industry. And for myself, like this was my profession and I wanted to keep it professional. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the hardest things is like, I'm struggling with is trying getting it to the right people and having them use it correctly. So that's one of the reasons why number one reason why we have training. Number two, what was your other question? <laughs> Um, like, like with a grown out lash, like how's like how stuck on there is it? Cause like, what yeah. if someone stuck a lash together? And that's the thing. It's like, if, if you're not, if you're doing it, if you're doing shitty work, I hope you don't have the jellies, please. I, I mean, I know who's taking my classes because I've done, I've trained them. So like, so far, so good. Knock on wood. Yeah. But what I'm, what I'm hoping is, is that if you do have a grown out, if you do have stickies and they're grown out. I mean, they're going to be really attached and probably already pulled out the other lash, unfortunately, oh. because they're really holding on. But what it is, is the link gel is cyanacrylate based. So you should be able to pop in peel or banana peel or use remover and correct those stickies at the end mm -hmm. of your service before your client leaves. Like this, the whole yeah. point of this product is not to deviate from our lash extensions and what we know. It's just to make it better. It's, it's, to, it's actually the retention is better because the glue is flexible, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's waterproof. It's, it's actually acrylic based. So meaning like, you know, like an, a, um, like the clear lucite plexiglass, it has that product in there. So it's like really mm -hmm. tough. Wow. So it, it is like lash extensions, but it's just a different way of mastering lash extensions because you have to use a light to cure. So that's, that's the knack for what. So, is. so you know, if you're, if you're somebody that likes to lash, like go lash by lash, like not skip around and stuff, every single lash that you use this on would be completely cured. So you could really do that and not even have to worry about like stickies and stuff as much as using like the regular stuff because, right? A hundred thousand percent. So that's like the crazy thing is you know, like I took my, like one of my first Russian volume classes and I didn't understand what the fuck is layering. But then like <laughs> when you do a lash to lash, you get it because then you can see yeah. when you separate and you're next to it and you can pregame on the next one and know what you're going to do right. and what length, you know? So lash to lash for me has been like really fun because it's, it's a hard thing to master, but it's really fun when you can, you get it. And being able to hit the light and hold the light on while you're making your next fan and by the time you've made your next fan and picked it up the light has already timed out because it's automatic timer and then you can lash step right there separate that next one and just place it on and then again the light taps on and then you work on to the next so it's kind of this thing where before that was really hard for inner corners and outer corners because mm -hmm. we all know like we can't really put one next to it because sometimes even if you place it and it's perfect if you separate the one next to it and you kind of open your tweezer too wide, you'll push the lash extension and close the volume lash because it's still not dried. Right. So all those things won't happen if you actually use this product properly. And that's one of the coolest things is like, 
I'm not a big mega volume person because I never really understood it, but I appreciate it. And I see the art in that. And I, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. You can do that. Now I see my students making volume, uh, mega volumes, and they're telling me that their mega volumes are more mega volume because they stay open because of yeah. the jellies because it could quickly cure and like, you know, it doesn't move. Once yeah. See, that is so attractive to me because it's like, I lash really quickly, but I always have to remind myself, like, slow it down because like that happens to me where I'm like moving so quick that I, I mess up slightly that fan that I had just done. That was beautiful because I'm like just on the move. And so, yeah. So what is y'all's training? Like, are you guys training right now because of COVID? Okay, well, I've been waiting for California to open for six months. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> Legal, legally in Alameda County, we have not been able to do lash extensions indoors or outdoors. And oh then now gosh. just this week, they announced that you can do nails and waxing and hair outside. But facials and eyelashes, nada, you can't. Wow. So that really, oh God, I was like, pissed me off. And I was also sad and now I'm over it. So I talked to Ellie Bellman. She's the one that created yeah. Barrier Cream and mm-hmm. she's out in Florida. So um, I'm actually going to do a training in October out in Florida. And then now I'm like, you know what? I can't wait for COVID to go away because I don't know, like, you know, this is the norm for now wearing the mask and, you know, washing your hands and all the OCD things that I've already been doing. So yeah. I need to travel. So now I'm looking at and inquiring about going to places and traveling and training because oh I think God. I have to bring the jellies to them instead of people can't, can't come to us. Please. I will host you in Austin, Texas. It like, I'm getting a new salon. It's going to be huge. Like there's a huge training space in it. So I would love to host you. If oh, you cool. I've never here. been to Austin. Yeah. I, I've been to Texas, but I've never been to Austin. So I'm down. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so you are going to be presenting at my virtual lash boss conference. Uh, this, well, when this airs, it'll be like the following week. So your, your topic's going to be about product development Mm -hmm. and yeah, I'm really excited about that. And there's, yeah, there's going to be like 40 something presentations, but I'm really excited about this one. We have like a ton of topics that like about business and artistry and stuff. So this one should be really good. Yeah, I think um, one of the things people don't understand or don't really realize about a sourcing product and creating it from an idea to having it shipped to your client, so to my clients. So I'm like, yeah, I think I can do this. Like, I'm not going to make shit up to like, you know, make it like, oh, this is like really difficult. I'm actually going to mm-hmm. give you real scenarios of like things that have happened and stuff that's gone wrong and how you could fix it. So like, yeah. I'm going to pop some people's lash bubbles. <laughs> Most products are not made in the USA. Yeah. I mean, I wish we could say it was, but it's, that's one of the hardest things about the jellies. It is made in the USA. The link gel is made in the USA, but lash extensions, they're not made in the USA. And yeah. that would be impossible. It's hard to access the raw materials and pay an American the cost of living to make this stuff out here. Right. So, you know, it would be a hundred dollars or more for a lash tray if it was made out here. But that's one of the things I think we should talk about is like where I'm going to talk about is lash companies, what we do um, to work with a vendor or directly source from our factory or our manufacturer. And then like what they do is just basically put a 
really cool big brand logo sticker on it and a bow tie and I ship it to you. But I want to give you like the inside scoop on like China, Vietnam, Korea, like they're mainly sourced from Asia. And then like what, what it takes to get that idea to a, a sample to ship to me and then to out to you guys. Like, I just kind of want to give you like the, I guess the storyline of what mm-hmm. I do and just to kind of make it interesting so people understand. If they want to start creating product, this is a really great um, topic. Yeah, that is awesome. I am so excited. Um, I, I actually, so I have a seven month old and he wears these um, like zip up onesies to sleep. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love these so much. I want to start a company that does this. And so I like, I set up a meeting with this local place um, and they, I guess, do mostly domestic manufacturing I don't know the word uh, but it's all like domestic like you're using like it's made here right and so Mm -hmm. she's explaining that versus going overseas and the difference in price is Mm -hmm. it's like impossible you can't you can't compete with because everyone else is doing it overseas so it's like you can't really do that because you're your product is going to be so much more expensive for basically the same thing and Mm -hmm. so yeah I realized that whenever I was going through that process and realizing like, this is like a lot like develop, like starting a brand is just a lot more than just like slapping your label on something it seems. So yeah. That's a great idea. But if you, I mean, like, cause you're really into the onesie and also the other thing is you got to be careful for people who act like they're a manufacturer out here. I'm not saying that she is not, mm-hmm. but there are people who front like they are, but they're actually getting their stuff made in China and then they just bring it over oh, here and they're like middlemanning it. So they're still making a cut, but saying that it's from oh. the U S because some parts of the product is made here or right. sourced here. Wow. So yeah, there's like a certain uh, percentage rate of having things here from here and you can say it's made in the U S. Wow. And that's, yeah, it's, it's like really crazy because like, I do believe in like having quali- high quality products and like having things that are affordable. And that's kind of like two total different oxymorons because you really can't have things that are affordable that are made in the USA anymore because Mm -hmm. of how cost of the product is. And even if you think about it, Shelby, like most textiles, they're made in Asia. So even if they're making it, the, the, they have a sewing machine out here and a woman or a man is sewing your onesie, the fabric's probably coming from a different country. Not most textiles are made here anymore. So those are little yeah. things to think about when we we do want to make things in USA. That's one of the most difficult things was for me was sourcing like computer chips and batteries and plastics from the USA because that was like imp- nearly impossible. But and yeah. I guess that's why it t- it took so many years from just idea to like having you know uh, ready to use is because of all of that. And I'm sure the wait times and stuff are a lot longer than you'd like. Yeah. I, let's just say that I've probably approached seven engineers and only had one engineer who's willing to take on this project. Wow. So yeah, you hear a lot of no's and impossibly like, are you crazy kind of thing. And then you mm-hmm. just kind of move on and realize that if you really believe in something, if you really know it can work, then it, you can try at least try and see if it happens. So mm-hmm. that's where I've, I've been on this journey is just trying to make something that doesn't exist and making it easier for us slash artists. That's awesome. Wow. Okay. So every episode, I love to hear about each guest's favorite failure. So a time where you felt like you failed, didn't 
and like it ended up being a good thing. Um, do you have anything specifically like that has affected your career that you're thankful that happened to you? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> you're, I think in the beginning of the conversation, you were talking about like the difficulties of having your two salons and, and probably I had a feeling you've gone through this. It's, I call it that quote from Oscar Wilde, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of mm. flattery, you know, and it's like, fuck, I don't want people imitating <laughs> me. <Yeah. laughs> like I had um, someone who was with me for six years working for me and I loved her to death and we're close friends. And she, you know, she ended up branching off and starting her own place, her own spa. And, you know, I actually supported that. Um, I knew about her idea and I helped her with, you know, sourcing things like, hey, Sujin, where do you get this? lamp where do you where did you buy this mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know that that that's okay but when she opened up I heard from the ex-employee you know she took three of your employees and she oh copied your menu and she also slandering and smearing you and taking <sighs> you know your clients and reached out to them and that's actually that was the hardest was the betrayal yeah um the, the, you know I felt like someone stabbed me in my back yeah and you know it, it's also nice now though if you think about it it's like for me I think it kind of created an awareness of that if you do something good, then people will knock you off and it's okay. Like it, it can, they can try to replicate, but they won't, you know, yeah. they're still gonna, it's not the same. It's not original. And for me that at that point, Oh my God, if I probably saw her then and I was driving a car, I probably would have ran her over. I was so angry, you know, I was yeah. really mad. I admit, but now I like, if I saw her, I would give her the biggest hug and probably cry because she helped me let go of, the service side mm-hmm. um when they when they all left um they all started working there and the clients left too it was actually a time where I could figure out do I want to start over and rebuild or do I want to just go all in for Illumino and that was a time where actually I didn't have time you know I didn't have extra you know to be on clients and to work on lashes so that helped me grow and per- catapult me into all illuminal. I'm all in. And that's what now looking back, that's what I needed. I needed that push. Wow. Yeah. Stuff like that has happened to me. I, and I hate hearing that it's happened to other people, like hearing it, like you telling the story. It's it's just like, even though I've gone through, it's like, you don't wish that on anyone. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's very hurtful, but like, thankfully, yeah, like it pushed you to do something else. And that's, yeah, it does suck when that happens, though. Yeah, it was the worst, best thing to happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, that's a good favorite failure. Um, so last question. Wait, did, do you feel like I've that we've gone over everything that you wanted to? Because my last question would be like, what's your favorite quote? Yeah, I think everything was, I mean, I feel really good about um, talking to you. I was nervous. I mean, I gotta admit. <laughs> I always I get nervous. Yeah, I don't like this talking stuff. Yeah. Kind of people. Like, I'm not good at conferences. That's why I've been kind of scared about it. But when uh-huh. you said it was a virtual online conference, I'm like, oh, I don't have yeah. to put my face in it. I could put pictures and videos exactly. and words. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I have like, you know, I guess a really cool quote that everyone knows about. And I mean, those kind of the whole the just just of it is everything happens for a reason and it's um, remember that everything is happening around you good or bad is in some way conspiring to help you and that's by um deb shishinbra and b and i just love that because i think everything does happen for a reason and the worst things are actually good things for you so 
All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I will link all of Sujin's upcoming classes in the show notes. And if you want to save 25% to Lash Boss Conference, use code Illumino at checkout. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week and I'll be back very soon with the next episode.